Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware. We have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit. But frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling's second episode of Potterheads A History. I'm Katie, and I predict this episode will be quite illuminating. I'm Ellen, and I see what you did there. Oh, we did a thing. We did a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Also, as you just heard the extra laughter, this episode we're joined by our patron, Tabitha Dial. Tabitha wants everyone to create their fate. She is a tarot and tea reader in Lexington, Kentucky. She's the author of Creative Divination, Read Tea Leaves, and Develop Your Personal Code. Due in 2020 is her Cheese Astrology Almanac book and Oracle deck. So we're really excited to hear more about that from her. Welcome and thanks for joining us, Tabitha. Hello, thanks for having me. We're excited to have you here. Right. Because Tabitha has quite an expertise in tarot and tea leaf reading and astrology, we decided we're going to delve further into the subject within the Harry Potter wizarding world. We are also going to go more in-depth discussing one of the most notable seers in the series, Sybil Trelawney. And then, because we're not done yet. Not done yet. And then, Tabitha will be sharing her knowledge of divination, experiences cosplaying as Trelawney, and a little bit about her upcoming projects. Like the cheese astrology. Yes, which we can't wait to hear about. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So, divination is a branch of magic that focuses on foreseeing future events. And there are three different types mentioned within the Harry Potter world. The first form is fortune telling, and it's considered the most imprecise. Within the Harry Potter universe, it includes astrology, which is the study of star charts relating to a person's birth date. And in the Goblet of Fire, the students studying divination have to create very complicated and detailed star charts to determine which planets were where and how that affects their lives. This is one of the many assignments that Harry and Ron simply make up predictions for. Which, yeah, why wouldn't you? Right. I mean, it, it, it seems to happen a lot. Like, I think even in their final exams, they were mm-hmm. just like, just I just made stuff up. <laughs> and you've got other kids that are like, I saw loads of stuff. And Harry and Ron were just like, just put in a lot of misery. She'll love it. <laughs> I just want to be like, I saw loads of stuff. And then Harry and Ron being like, I saw loads of crap. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) They also mention palmistry, which is the study of lines on the palm of someone's hand to determine future events. It is also known as chiromancy, which comes from the Greek words chire, meaning hand, and mentea, meaning divination. So it's literally divination on the hand, I guess. (laughs) Divination of the hand, in the hand. Sure. Yeah. Uh, But this is mentioned in Prisoner of Azkaban when Professor Trelawney tells Harry that he has the shortest lifeline she had ever seen. Dun, dun, dun. Right? Like, not foreshadowing at all. No, not even close. Crystal gazing is also mentioned, and that is when a person uses a crystal ball or orb, it's also called, to look into the future and... Professor Trelawney has... Oh, Tabitha is holding up a crystal ball right now. And she literally has a crystal ball. It's amazing. That reminds me of of Labyrinth. (laughs) Those those crystal balls David Bowie plays with in Labyrinth. 
So yeah. <laughs> do you do crystal ball reading too? I really don't. It's a great prop. It's good energy to have too. We'll, we'll get more into In depth. the stuff that she does. But she does have a crystal ball. And <laughs> Professor Trelawney has the third years learning how to crystal gaze. Um, though nobody actually seems to be able to see anything. Ron says that it's obvious what it means. There's going to be loads of fog tonight. And then <laughs> this is also the lesson that Hermione walks out of midway through. She just, fuck that shit, I'm out. And she just pieces out of divination and never ever returns. But she had a pretty full plate, so. And I think Trelawney told her that she, like, she perceived very little aura around her. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Hermione couldn't learn it in a book, so she didn't find it worthwhile. And mm-hmm. she was really critical of Trelawney, though. She was. Everyone was really critical of Trelawney. Even Dumbledore, especially in McGonagall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tea leaf reading is a big one, and we're going to end up talking more about that with Tabitha. But just for the sake of the book, it's also known as tassiography. It's a form of divination that uses loose leaf tea poured into cups. Then drink until only the leaves remain. The Harry Potter lexicon says that the cup is swirled three times and turned over to drain. The shapes of the leaves in the cup are then interpreted by the diviner. Like I said, this is Tabitha's area of expertise, and she's going to go into more details for us later on. But within the books, Professor Trelawney taught tea leaf reading during the first term of the third year. So we get to see Harry, Ron, and Hermione trying to interpret tea leaves in Prisoner of Azkaban. Uh, In the book, Ron asks Harry what he sees in his cup, and Harry tells him a load of soggy brown stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And then in the movie, Ron proceeds to read Harry's and say, well, Harry's got a wonky sort of cross. That's trials and suffering. But this here (laughs) could be the sun. That's happiness. So... You're going to suffer, but you're going to be happy about it. Which he kind of was. I mean, he wasn't actually wrong. Right? There was a lot of trials and suffering, but he had a good life. And he was happy to do it at the end. So maybe Ron is a seer. That is a theory that's out there. Yeah, I've always gone with that. Like Like an unintentional seer. Yeah, and the most logical, kind of just funny, down to earth people really they see the patterns and that's what tea leaf reading's about we'll talk about that later but yeah wrong yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah Let's just keep rolling <laughs> rolling on um after after that professor trelawney takes the cup and looks at it and she sees the grim and just predicts harry's death which is her thing this does also happen in the book but it's in more detail because in, in addition to the grim trelawney also sees the falcon which she says means a deadly enemy and yeah hermione's all snotty about this one and well everyone knows about harry and you know who yeah there's an example of hermione uh, really yeah. dissing trelawney like oh yeah a lot of wooly guesswork um, but she also sees the club which means an attack and the skull which means danger in your path the very last one that has some sort of notable mention within the series is cardamancy and it's a form of divination where playing cards are used to tell the future 
And this could also come in the form of tarot cards, which is another area of Tabitha's expertise. So we will let her go into more detail of that too. Um, but within the series, Cardamancy is referenced in the Half-Blood Prince when Trelawney is wandering the corridors with a deck of cards and she's just flipping them over and muttering to herself. And this really cracked me up because the scene says, two of spades, conflict, she murmured as she passed the place where Harry crouched hidden. Seven of spades, ill omen. Ten of spades, violence. Knave of spades, a dark young man, possibly troubled, one who dislikes the questioner. Well, that can't be right. I don't know if this is what it meant in the book, but I full on read that as her reading referring to Harry since he was right there and her not being able to believe that Harry doesn't like her. Yeah. (laughs) So it just sort of cracked me up. Like, that's just what that meant to me. I like Like, that. I didn't think about it that way. Yeah, I was like, what? Yeah, it always always struck me as funny. Yeah, I've actually also heard the theory that she was referring to Draco about Dumbledore. Oh, disliking because Dumbledore. Dumbledore's questioning him about how the Death Eaters got in and all that stuff mm-hmm. up on the tower. Yeah, yeah, when he's stalling and all that, you know. That that could make sense, too. I'm, I'm not sure that I would say Malfoy dislikes Dumbledore, but... I, no. But I also don't know that I would say that Harry actually dislikes Trelawney, so... Yeah. It's it's an interesting theory. Yeah, it's one way to go. That it is. The second form of divination mentioned in the series is centaur divination. They have put centuries into unraveling the mysteries of the stars and planets. And as we learn from Varenz, when he is hired to take over for divination after Trelawney is fired by Umbridge in Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, centaurs have very little time or patience for fortune-telling. They read the planets and stars and then can burn herbs and leaves to attempt to determine timing by reading the flames and fumes. In Order of the Phoenix, Ferenz has the fifth year's burn sage and mallow sweet and then try to find the symbols and shapes in the fumes, but he isn't even the slightest bit concerned that none of them can see anything. (laughs) He's just like, it took the centers years and years to become competent and then finished it off by telling them that it was foolish to put too much faith in such things anyways because even centaurs can sometimes read them wrongly. Oh, I think that's the absolute right way to go about it. You don't want to put too much stock in it. It's a form of entertainment and connecting to something, but you might not always get a good connection. Yeah. Cool. The last form of divination is seeing, which uses the inner eye to see into the future. Witches and wizards that possess the inner eye are known as seers. When a seer makes a prediction using the inner eye, it goes on record at the Department of Mysteries. On the Harry Potter lexicon, it says other notable seers are the ancient Greek rivals (laughs) Mopsos and Colchis, Cassandra Vablatsky, the author of Unfogging the Future, and the infamous dark wizard Gellert Grindelwald. There are also many more unnamed seers based on all of the prophecies that exist within the Department of Mysteries. Another notable seer in the series is Cassandra Trelawney, who is very famous and talented, and perhaps the most significant seer, although not necessarily most talented, but the most significant to the series, is Cassandra's great-great-granddaughter, Sybil Trelawney, who we also know as Professor Trelawney, and Katie will be talking more about her. I will indeed. Right now. Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) So, basic Trelawney rundown is she is a half-blood witch. Her mother was a muggle. And her father was a witch. Wizard. 
<laughs> her father was a wizard. Bit of a nasty shock for her when she found out, right? <laughs> she actually has a nine and a half inch hazel wood wand with a unicorn hair core, which you don't hear hazel wood very often. No, I think it's, that's the first time I've heard that. Yeah, it's very interesting. She's described as very thin with huge eyes, which may mainly be because of her Coke bottle glasses. Right. Doesn't that magnify them? Doesn't Harry say he reminds her of a glittering insect? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, that follows. That tracks pretty well, yeah. I think. I, I won't disagree. <laughs> her very first mention, we see her for the first time in Prisoner of Azkaban Chapter 6, which is called Talons and Tea Leaves. It was a very dramatic chapter. It was. <laughs> Harry's well, death is predicted. Not for the first or last time. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she has, her classroom is up in the base of the North Tower. It's, it's like a trap door tower. They yeah, because they have to go, they go up like all the stairs and then there's a trap door that they have to climb In the up. book, they call it a trap door. The movie yeah. did not have a trap door. Well, no, we never actually saw them go into her but we, had, we saw Harry fetch the crystal ball. True. And there was no trap door. I guess they, they could have just not shown that part, but I'm, I would think if a crystal ball fell down a trap door, it wouldn't have survived very well. You don't know. Shit's magic. That's true. <laughs> and they're heavy. And they're heavy. It's solid, too. It's a solid-ass crystal ball. It may have chipped it, at least. Maybe it wasn't that big of a trap door. Maybe, Maybe we should just keep rolling. <laughs> Maybe we'll just keep rolling instead of discussing the physics of crystal balls and their ability to survive In the falls. layout of Trelawney's classroom <laughs> in book versus movie. Anyway, the classroom is very overheated and it's with a, the fire isn't, it's not like normal fire. It's like perfumed fire. Right. I imagine, I imagine it being like walking into, you know, the back part of a Spencer's gift <laughs> with all the incense burning. <laughs> yeah. I see. And I'm with Harry. I feel like it would either make me very sleepy or just trigger my migraines. Yeah. You know, when I was 15 or whatever, I had the obsession with burning incense all the time in my room. And I had a very small room. Of course Of course I did. That shocks nobody. Not even a little. <laughs> but... I, I will, like, smell this this incense now, like, the stuff that I that I would use back in the day. I'm like, how did I even stand this? I'm not <laughs> entirely sure. I couldn't even stand it back then. I never got into that stuff. I was, I don't know. I, never mind. I'm not going to go into my weird story about apple pie. But, um, <laughs> my mom had an apple pie incense. You're totally going into it your weird story delicious. about apple pie. That's all it was. <laughs> okay. And I always searched for it again, and I could never find it, but. Sadness. Sadness. <laughs> We've been doing this podcast together a while, I think. We have. You know what I'm going to say. But, you know, something else that wouldn't help with the sleepiness that would undoubtedly occur is all of the furniture is, like, big stuff, like, overstuffed. Oh, yeah. It sounds super comfy. Right? It's it's warm and overheated, warm and perfumey. Comfy chairs. Yeah. Yeah. I would go up there for a nap. Sure. Until the migraine hit from nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> um, but her version of divination is fortune telling. She likes to start off her classes by predicting the death of someone in the class, of course. Which was Harry. Which in this case was Harry, which, I mean, she wasn't wrong. Technically, no. At the same time, she's not wrong ever because everybody dies. So there's that. Oh my gosh. Well, when she, <laughs> when, when she 
makes in one of the books she makes a comment about Harry dying and um, knows something about how people born in July are prone to sudden violent deaths and he's just like good as long as it's not drawn out I don't want to suffer (laughs) (laughs) and I just I love how he starts reacting he just after a couple of years gets so used to her predicting his death that he's just super sarcastic about it Mm -hmm. and I love it I always loved I always kind of loved the other teachers reactions I love McGonagall's reaction to all right which one's dying who's dying this all right. And I, f- I almost feel like she kind of weeds out the more spacey students, McGonagall does, because she- those are the ones that come from Trelawney's class. Like, oh, they sh- she said this was going to happen, like Lavender. Right. And she's like, yeah, we can write you off now. Okay. Yeah, okay. You're done. <laughs> yeah. It's been fun trying to teach you, but apparently you've got your own thing going on, I guess. <laughs> Have fun in divination. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, she teaches, Trelawney teaches many different divination methods including the reading the crystal ball because Hermione knocks hers out right. over and it falls and rolls out <laughs> like the meatball on top of spaghetti it just rolls on out the door on top of spaghetti <laughs> all covered you say I go off on tangents we'll get to that part later <laughs> <laughs> yes See, we bring full circle full cheese circle. divination right yes. there. Yes, excellent. Mountain of cheese on the mountain of spaghetti or something. But they also, as we were discussing, they also uh, she also teaches reading tea leaves, which is questionable at best. I kind of feel like <laughs> her teaching methods um, or the actual application. It depends. Well, if see, I kind of feel like she's just having them read from the book mm. as to what. It all is though. Yeah, she you was, know, was to what everything. I would say means. her teaching methods because she's yeah. just like, look, like find a shape, look it up in the book, and like, yeah, it didn't really seem like, because I, I mean, I we can talk about this more in a little bit, but like, I'm not entirely sure she really knew what she was talking about with the subject. I think that she was the granddaughter of a famous seer. Yeah, like you say that she, her version of divination is fortune telling. Like that's what she taught. Yeah, but. Bitch claimed she was a seer. Like, like she thought she could see the future. She always was talking about her inner eye. Which, we know that she had one, but she didn't even actually know that. But, you know, but the thing is, too, is, is I feel like that original, her original prophecy um, that she told to Dumbledore about Harry and Voldemort, and, well, at the time it wasn't necessarily Harry, but... Voldemort and the, will, and the one who will yes, who will vanquish, have the power to yes, stop him. Vanquish the Dark Lord. With that, you know, I, I feel like once Dumbledore heard that, he realized, like, she's she's pretty legit. But at the same time, like, a lot of divination seems to be a bit of hooey. Right. It's kind of how Dumbledore felt. But at the same time, I feel like he wanted to keep her close. Well, he needed to protect her from Voldemort. Yeah. Because... Obviously, Snape knew who made the prediction, and he didn't get to hear all of it. So Voldemort yeah. knew who did it, and he had to keep her close. Yeah. But even after Voldemort was, you know, even after the curse rebounded on Voldemort, and he was, like, he wasn't dead, but he was in hiding or whatever, or, you know, injured. Um, after he did attack Harry, I feel like he kept Trelawney around well, even after that, because... You never know when she's going to have another. There's that. But what's also to stop the Death Eaters from going after her trying to, like, I mean. True. Bellatrix and her husband tortured 
Neville's parents just because they might have had information. Well, also, and they were batshit crazy. So there's that, too. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> just a little bit. Just a smidgen. Um, but they never tried to hide it. They were always true to themselves. Oh, they embraced that nutsness. <laughs> nutsness? <laughs> That's what I'm going to go with. Nuts. Okay. <laughs> nutsness. I... <laughs> That's my next favorite holiday next to Christmas. Nutsness. Nutsness. <laughs> Happy nutsness. Happy nutsness. <laughs> Merry nutsness. Boy, you're going to have a lot of editing to do on this one. I don't know. Oh, I might Lord. leave some of this in. <laughs> Happy nutsness. <laughs> oh, God, I'm about to start singing again. We wish you a merry nutsness. We wish you a merry nutsness. We wish you a merry nutsness. And a happy, and a happy new year. Happy new nut year. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't come together, but it was it fun. It didn't. It started great. It really it, did. It I was like, oh, no, out, it's happening. <laughs> Just like any nutness festival, it started out great. <laughs> I feel like this right here is the perfect example of nutness yes this is this is in case anybody needed a further but this is like the mary nutness like literally the mary nutness not the bellatrix style nutness facts Mm -hmm. facts and and for the record in case anyone's wondering this is why i don't prepare that well because i'm better on the fly is that what we call this yeah (laughs) that's what i'm that's what i'm calling it okay you go ahead and deny it all you want, but you're having more fun now than just reading out loud. Yeah, but mine was a little bit more, like, scholarly. I don't do scholarly. See, so you gotta balance Which each is... other out. Yeah. See? Which is why I'm Hermione, because <laughs> I, like, regurgitate the facts. And, and I'm I'm Blaise Zambini, because I'm understated. But pretty. But pretty. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho... <laughs> I'm Ron, because I just say, I'll just copy off you and you yell at me. Or I'll do it for you. Yeah, or, or, yeah. yeah. You are Ron. I'm, I'm kind of you're Ron. You're Ron. It's, I'm a bit Ron. Yeah, that's kind of a thing. <laughs> Ooh, but on the subject of Ron being able to predict things, he is born March 1st, which, which makes him a Pisces. And Pisces are known to be the most intuitive. Huh, huh. There are a know. lot of really great examples of things that ron has done and said that could be like we're just accidental yeah yeah, yeah. accidental but have Mm -hmm. you ever looked into any of those there's like a whole theory about ron being a seer no now i have to that's great yeah it is one of my favorite fan theories it's a great theory and it fits into this so yeah i've seen a lot of i've seen a lot of fan fictions that revolve around it and i'm like yeah i buy that sure right okay (laughs) (laughs) plus it gives i don't know i feel like ron Ron gets thrown to the side so much. It does give him it some. Gives him like a purpose. Yeah. Like. All right. Sorry, we're not talking about Ron. We're talking about Trelawney. <laughs> well, we, we can come back to that though. I swear I took my Ritalin. I swear I did. That was actually kind of my fault, so I don't well, blame you. Haha. <laughs> Anywho, it's not me. Let's talk about so, Trelawney in the movie. Yeah, Trelawney. Oh God, Trelawney in the movie. Emma Emma Thompson played Trelawney in the movies, and I swear to God, if there was the Church of Emma Thompson, I would kneel and bow at that altar (laughs) because I just love her. She's a—I thought she was amazing. She was an incredible Trelawney, and just spacey, and and I just loved—I loved the um, 
Uh, like her introduction. Yeah, the first time you see her, and she's like, you shall discover if you possess the sight. And then she runs into the goddamn table. Because <laughs> obviously she was watching out of her inner eye and not her actual eyes. Right. <laughs> exactly. Oh, it was it. It's possibly one of my favorite like little sight gags little that they included in Harry Potter. Co- comedy gold, right? It there. was. It was. I just I want to know when you cosplay as Trelawney. Yes. I know you're going to talk a little bit more about that later. Mm-hmm. But do you like channel Trelawney from the book, or are you just emulating Emma Thompson? Oh goodness, that's a good distinction. I'm. I think I'm channeling Trelawney from the book. That goofy spaciness gives me a lot of leeway. Yeah. To yeah, not know what I'm doing. Okay. I'm looking forward to hearing more about that then. We'll yeah. let Katie finish her part. <laughs> but yeah, so, um, yeah, Emma Thompson was just wonderful. They had, th- and you know, the, a lot of that too was the costuming and the, the hair. Like, how do they get Emma Thompson's hair nice and frizzy? Oh my God. Emma Thompson hair was <laughs> what I thought Hermione's hair was going to be. Right? Emma Thompson had Hermione hair. Somebody Hermione needed, like, they needed to take that hairdresser. That was probably a wig. Oh, well, yeah, I'm sure it was so, a wig, but But they still. could have given Hermione one, too. We bitch a lot about Hermione's hair not being frizzy, yeah. so. <laughs> In case you haven't heard enough, it's a, it may be a bit of a sore spot for us. Especially in, especially once you get to the third movie, because her hair was sleek. Oh, she had beautiful Hermione hair. Hermione had, like, gorgeous hair in the third movie. And Emma Thompson was like, I'm going to go ahead and steal her hair. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But it worked on her. I it, it just worked for Trelawney. So and she really did have that glittering insect look. Mm-hmm. It was perfect. She did. I loved the glasses. I loved everything about her. I just loved that you like you just you felt that she had so much faith in like her own abilities. Yeah. <laughs> she had so much just just like yes, I'm right, and that's it, and that's all there is to it. But at the same time, you need to do this. To, like it was very. And the way that she spoke, too. Yeah. It was just, it was, like, it just really added to the spaciness. And mm-hmm. the... Yeah, I loved it. She was up here in her hut. Like, yeah. she, she lived in here. <laughs> and everything out there was just completely, like, For sure. she didn't see it with her inner eye. It wasn't real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and some of the things, going back to the actual character of Professor Trelawney, um, she would make these predictions that sometimes seemed outlandish, but then would end up working out in a way, in the kind of way of a lot of psychics where you're like, well, that could have been power of suggestion. That could have been, you know, with Lavender, she predicts the day that you are dreading will be the the 16th of October. Yeah. And fun side fact, that was the reason JK threw that in there was because that was her, uh, the wedding anniversary of her first marriage. Oh! <laughs> and, yeah. The thing that you were the dreading The thing that you were dreading happen. will be Friday, October 16th. Apparently, or, she now dreads that was, date. Well, or was, that marriage. I'm she was divorced at the time. Yes. So, so. From that marriage. That's funny. But, yeah, that was her, that was her, uh, first marriage wedding date, which I always, I, I love that kind of once I found that. I was like, oh. Yeah, that's a good day to, to dread. What <laughs> sure. date can I pick for this? The one I hate. Yeah. Um, but it ends up being her, Lavender's, uh, what, but her bunny dies. 
But Hermione points out that the bunny didn't even die on October the 16th. Yeah. That's just yeah. when she got the news and... Yeah. And the whole thing of, of well, but it, the bunny was a baby, so why would you right. be dreading that happening? But... Like, that's just pessimistic. I mean... And apparently, I, yeah. <laughs> bunnies are not at all allowed because you can bring an owl or a cat or a toad and apparently you can sneak in a rat slash man. <laughs> rat man! <laughs> <laughs> but bunnies, no, leave those at home. No, no bunnies. How dare you bring bunnies in? So yeah, we've got... Um, the predictions mentioned in the series. In predictions mentioned, mentioned in the series, we have um, Neville breaking the teacup. Right. And Trelawney says he will break it. But again, is that power of suggestion? Is that then he was just nervous touching right. any teacup? Like, you know, after you've broken your first teacup, yeah, please, please be so kind to choose one of the blue willow patterned <laughs> one, as I'm rather attached to the pink. Yeah, and then sure enough, he breaks one. Which, doesn't he break the second one too? I believe. Yeah. I, I I think he like ends up breaking yeah. too. I that seems like a like a Neville thing to do, <laughs> especially if you've got if he's got somebody making him nervous. Yeah. My thing, though, is if you're attached to the pink ones, why would you let him take a pink one to begin with? Why wouldn't you have just said that, hey, before you take a cup, grab one of the blue ones? (laughs) Probably because he knew that she was attached to the pink ones and it made him even more nervous and therefore more likely to happen. Maybe. Because, again, power of suggestion. What house was Trelawney in? Wasn't she Ravenclaw? Yes, Ravenclaw. So I feel like she'd be intelligent enough to know how to manipulate people like that. Yeah, which is a lot of what these kind of mind games involve. Yeah. Um, Mind games. Well, I don't Tabitha's sitting over here like, I don't play mind games. I just try to connect with people. I mean in the sense of her like... (laughs) (laughs) I recognize there's a little sitting down and reading people psychologically. Tabitha, don't lie. Yeah. You're trying to get into my head. <laughs> yeah. Don't lie to me. <laughs> You're trying to get in my head and mess with my stuff and make me break teacups. And sh- I don't even have a teacup, but if I Knock did... Knock your water bottle over. Yeah. As long as it doesn't land I was going to say, it. that's not cool, because that's open. <laughs> in one way, how much worse could it have gotten for him? Yeah. Like, maybe he needed to get, she wanted him to get that awkwardness out of the way so he could settle into himself. That is true. Who knows? It may have been genuinely kind manipulation. Yeah, who knows? Like, hey, look, you've already fucked up. How much lower can you go? <laughs> Little did she know it was Neville, so. Oh, poor Neville. <laughs> I love Neville. I love Neville. Don't get me wrong. I love him. Um, other predictions. Other predictions was... That one of our number will leave us forever. Which, of course, came to pass when Hermione quit. Right. But she makes it seem like someone's gonna die. It did sound more does. dramatic than just walking <laughs> around. And then there you've got Lavender and Pravati like, Ooh, you said, you said. Yeah. <laughs> of course they And did. she's like, I did in fact see with my inner eye that Hermione would be leaving us. But, of course, I do hope that I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> And then when Hermione does leave, you know, she also says, like, oh, yeah, I knew you would. Because I can tell that you do not possess the, the sight. And the and the and your mind is too small. and, and Closed or something, closed, yeah. yeah. And, and, oh, how does she say it in the movie? Um, your soul is dry as the books to which you so desperately cling. <laughs> <laughs> which I love. I always love that. That's... 
Because mm-hmm. it's kind of like, it's kind of true. In the sense of, you know, it's not something that you can necessarily learn, learn in a book. So, of course, Hermione's going to hate it. Right. It's something you feel more than, more than you see. And it's just not something that Hermione can grasp. She can't understand it. Whether, whether it's hooey or real or, you know, all that there is in life. If you can't see it, Hermione's like a, you know, if I can see it and I can touch it, then it's real. And if you can't, well, then fuck you. <laughs> but yeah, we also had the prediction. Uh, well, it wasn't so much a prediction, but um, uh, when Trelawney guesses that Harry was born in midwinter. And he was actually born in July, obviously, as we know. Um, but there's, there is the thought that 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 she what she was actually seeing there was um, Voldemort was the part of Voldemort that was residing within residing Harry. within Harry because, because Voldemort was yep. December thirty first, and, I mean, he also had, you know, the dark hair, the tragic losses, so young in life, you know. Yeah, that description could have been. Either Harry or Voldemort. Yeah, she even says your mean stature, which I feel is more Voldemort than Harry. Because Harry didn't really... I mean, Harry didn't have, like, a mean stature. He was kind of scrawny. Yeah, he was just kind of meh. Harry was kind of averagey. Like, (laughs) he didn't seem... I don't don't feel like Harry was, like, intimidating or anything. (laughs) He was kind of a bully. He was a dick, you know? Kind of a bully. (laughs) Understatement of the yeah, I was gonna say, podcast. Really? Voldemort was kind of a bully. He <laughs> was a little bit. Yes. He was a fluffy bunny <laughs> named Binky. That's almost. That's, what was the joke of like? So I know I know Hitler wasn't Mister Popularity, but I was like, uh, <laughs> awkward. Yeah, let's just keep rolling. Keep on rolling. <laughs> Any other predictions? Yeah, there was also the one about um, Professor Lupin not lasting long. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, she mentioned to McGonagall about he won't be with us for very long or something along those lines. And then went on to say that she tried to tell him as much. <laughs> and he, like, went running away, sc- practically screaming when he, she tried Wait, to read his cards. Wait, didn't she say, she, <laughs> yeah, she offered to read his cards and he mm-hmm. just, like, all but fled. And McGonagall's just like... Imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> what are the odds? Shocking. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so there was that one. And that one turned out to be essentially true because he didn't last long in the post. Nope. One year. That's yeah. The, that's the huge. Right? But that's, but again, the position had been cursed for so long. That was a pretty easy one to guess. Yeah. Nobody makes it longer than a year. Yeah. And apparently hadn't since whenever it was that Voldemort applied. It, it had been a long time. So it had to really have been at least as long as, as she had been there. The whole time she's been there. I mean. For sure. Because at, uh, yeah. she would have started after. She start, Yeah. Because she started in like, in eight, like just before Harry was born. Right. Like 79, 80, 81, something like that. And so... The whole time, that that position's been, the dark arts position's been cursed the entire time. So, it can't be that shocking to her. No, that, um, that was definitely an easy one. Yeah. 
But at the same time, too, maybe she also knew that he was a werewolf. And she was like, well, that's not going to go yeah, well. Yeah, didn't the staff all know? The staff must have known. I can't imagine. Like, I understand not telling the kids, but why you wouldn't tell the staff? Because um, we knew Snape knew, but he knew before when they were in Hogwarts anyway. Right. So that was totally different. Right. Yeah, a lot of Trelawney's predictions seem to be mainly clever guesswork or really luck. So I was wondering... Does Trelawney have any divination abilities aside from her prophecies that she isn't even aware that she predicted? Or, you know, is she only guessing and occasionally getting lucky? Like Neville with the teacup. I mean, technically her very first reading of Harry's tea leaves wasn't inaccurate. No, no, not at all. And also when she told him he had a short lifeline. She wasn't wrong. He did basically die just a few years later. Facts. Those are also true. So... Like, I think the bunny one was lucky. Yeah. Well, like I I said, that could have been... The bunny could have been power of suggestion. That could have been... She told Lavender a date, so then Lavender was on the lookout for something... For something something, bad to happen. Yeah. For something bad to happen. Yeah. That could have been as simple as, like, she got her period that day. You know? And she would have flipped out about that. Like I was saying, though, I don't think that's a prediction. No, I know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm aware. But that's what I'm saying. Like, that could have... That doesn't necessarily mean anything. You know? How many of her predictions were like that? I use predictions loosely. Right. In that case. Now, Tabitha, when we were talking about this earlier, I know you said both. Yeah, it's definitely a little bit of both. It's... As the centaurs talked about, it took them centuries to be able to comprehend. I think that's a big part of all this too is you don't really know exactly what you're doing and, and many times you just hit on it. Um, Nostradamus, he's famous for being a seer, but he also wrote thousands of predictions and that's why we unravel them later on in history and we get things that fit what he wrote. So I think it is a combination of all that. Cool. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. She really does. She has her two actual prophecies Mm -hmm. the one predicting the initial defeat of voldemort that somebody being born at the end of july will be able to defeat him and then of course the one about voldemort's follower returning to him and him coming back stronger than ever yeah but she also has no idea that she even predicted those which kind of makes me wonder like when cassandra made a prophecy when her great-great-grandmother made a prophecy did she no, or was it a similar kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Do people know they made these prophecies, or was that just Sybil's thing? Yeah, that's an interesting question. It also makes me wonder, if a seer has a prophecy and no one is around to hear it, will it really happen? Yeah, with that note, we're just going to wrap up your section. Oh, fine. Fine. We'll just keep rolling. All right, so, yeah, Tabitha? I get to take over and talk about terror and cheese. You get to take over. All right. Yay. Yay. And cheese. And cheese. Don't forget the cheese. Don't forget the cheese. And we'll get to cheese. Yeah. All right. She legit just picked up cards and I'm super excited. Yeah. So I have just a few of the cards, actually the four cards that Trelawney mentioned. And this is modern witch tarot. And I'm just going to look at two of them because... They're just so in-depth. But this is really close to one that's pretty standard, and it's the Two of Swords, which would be the Two of Spades that she first mentioned. And she calls it Conflict. And, of course, she's looking at just a playing deck, not as illustrated as this is. You'll see somebody sitting, you know, with the 
swords crossed over their chest and they're blindfolded. And I see that as inner conflict. So when I was reading the book, I was able to vividly associate that. And I thought, oh, that's pretty insightful. And I think a lot of how tarot and tea leaf readings work is it's very much inner stuff that you're bringing up to examine. And then the other one I wanted to share was the Knight of Swords, which is similar to the Knight of Spades. Okay. And yeah, she's like a dark, what was it? A dark young man. Possibly troubled or something like that. Yeah, and just dislikes the seer. And you always have the energy of... Um, aggression kind of behind this particular card. Also, the knights are associated with um, rebellion, teenagehood, things like that. So, of course, that makes a lot of sense for his role. Uh, And the swords in general are associated with things like pain and sorrow, which bring me to the fact that a lot of people are afraid to get their tarot cards read because they think it's going to be full of pain, sorrow, bad news stuff, and the scary cards. But that's kind of rare, especially given the law of math that lies within it. There's 78 cards, so it's not terribly likely you're going to see those scary cards. And it's also what lays around it that has a lot of symbolism to it, too. What drew me into tarot initially was that kind of artwork. I thought it was beautiful. Here's a favorite card, too, the Two of Cups. Oh, yeah, that is really cool. Yeah. So the, this artist did a really nice job. Oh, and perfect. Here's one of those very scary cards. The that tower. Yeah. And she does reference the lightning struck tower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she does talk about that. Yeah. Isn't that right before? That was in Half-Blood Prince, right before Dumbledore dies. Mm-hmm. Spoilers. <laughs> what? That's a perfect depiction of the tower, too, because it's an epiphany, too. It's an epiphany moment. So yeah, I first started getting into the tarot cards and, you know, they've really become popular in recent years. There's even apps where you can just get one card a day and it's really easy to access that kind of knowledge. Whereas when I started in late 97-ish, it was still kind of, oh, you got to learn with books and practice and things like that. Uh Um, Tea leaf Mm reading is a little more unique. So I found that that would be a way to kind of... uh, be able to connect to people in a unique style. And you get to drink tea. Not everybody likes tea, so the way I do it is is I expedite it so that I'm not sitting there chatting and reading them too much. I like to, yeah, I like to strain the tea and get right into the images. See, that's, I'm down with that because I don't like tea. You don't like tea. I don't. Do you still have them be the ones to swirl it and everything too? Absolutely, yeah. I'll have them put their energy on it and they'll swirl it with a... Uh, spoon before I strain it. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Hmm. And a lot of it has to do with the placement of images. Like, we'll say a bunny is a common image, at least for me, because that's what I like, is I like bunnies. And there's actually one on my cover of my book. (gasps) Bunny, bunny, bunny. I see it. (laughs) Yeah. And so a lot of it is, like, I like your explanation of why was Trelawney telling them to just look up these images in the book? It's very, very black and white where our lives are so vibrant and nuanced. Like in Mm -hmm. dream interpretation, you can't necessarily say, hey, I saw a bunny and it means exactly what just one expert believes. How did you feel interacting with that bunny in the dream? Just like in your teacup, is that bunny leaping? 
is that bunny, you know, giving you a sense of hope when you see it? Or are you kind of apprehensive because you don't want bunnies in your garden? You know, you have your own connections to the images. Or you could be like my husband and be allergic to bunnies. Yeah. There's that too. Yeah. So all of that information is terribly important when you are reading tea leaves. Also, I wanted to say, if you're going to get into any of this divination, I loved that we were talking about the extra cozy environment that Trelawney had. And I thought about it. It's like, you really, before you want to start dabbling much in this stuff, you do want to feel grounded and comfortable and receptive in a healthy way. So I think the warmth and the brightness she was trying to bring in with the, you know, with the sense and things like that were possible ways of the author indicating that that was preparation for this kind of endeavor. Cool. Kind of like, kind of like a therapist's office. You're right. You want to get cozy and comfy before you start talking about your traumatic childhood. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about, tell me about your mother. <laughs> your traumatic. We don't future. have all day, Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Oh, and gosh, and cosplaying as her is a very cozy, comfy endeavor. I, I love getting to do it and see all these fans and have little kids come up to me. So I was doing, um, I live in Lexington, Kentucky. I was just helping a friend with um, her setup for Comic-Con and, you know, giving her breaks and, and, and getting, um, um, Ale 8 is a local drink. Anyway. Oh, yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> yeah. I know that. Yeah, stuff. you know that stuff. Yeah, so just a late one. A late one. Yeah, a late one. Yeah. So I was getting her her one of those, and I was down in the cafeteria, and I get a little like tap on my shoulder, and it's a little girl who wanted a picture with me, Aww. and I just wanted to dress up like Trelawney because what other chances was I going to get? Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really there vending or sharing my books or doing readings or anything, and it was just really cool that so many people were like, "Hey, we need a picture." That's awesome. Yeah. Trelawney's also just a very comfortable character to, to cosplay. Yes. She got the flowy skirts. Right. She got the... Now, I know you shared some of your pictures in cosplay costume on our patron Facebook page, but I'm going to need you to share them to the actual Facebook page that everyone else can see, too, because they need to see your costume as oh, well. Oh, thank you. I'd love to do that. All right. Oh, and then cheese astrology. Yes, yes, this is the part we've been waiting yes. for. Dun, dun, dun. The morsels you've wanted to bite into. Well, okay. Literally, I yeah. love cheese. So my grandmother not only gave me the idea to start tea leaf reading, because she would look at, you know, the leaves at the bottom of a kettle at a Chinese restaurant. Um, she also really loved astrology. And like me, she's born on a cusp. She's born the day she was born the day before me, the twenty first of February, and I'm the twenty second. So we're both okay. right between Aquarius and Pisces. So that really captivated her, and so she would read both of the horoscopes mm-hmm. in the newspaper. But that's about as in depth as she got. But we would talk about it, my um, at least the sun signs, and my mom would talk about being a Leo. You know, so we just kind of all categorized ourselves. Roll on to about seven years ago, I was lucky enough to work in a specialty cheese section at, yeah, at one of I'm the like, big grocery Just grinning like a maniac right now because <laughs> cheese. Yeah, one of the big grocers in the nation teamed up with Murray's Cheese. So I got to take advantage of that and learn so much about different cheeses and why they're made and how they're made and, and the tastes and the textures. And it's just a blast. 
So gradually these two lives kind of merged about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. I, I know I had to see the idea from like a meme or something where you put the cheeses and the astrology pairings. I thought that'd be a great marketing tactic. So we have these <laughs> big old chalkboards in our um, cheese shop and I get to change them out and, and, you know, redo the designs. So I did a similar thing where it was cheese pairings suggested by your sun sign. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so from that, after I got my first book published, the designer and uh, illustrator publisher, she said, okay, next one, let's do cheese astrology. <laughs> I was like, well, wait, we just finished this one. <laughs> She's like, no, it'll be easy. And... What I've done is instead of just the 12 signs, I broke it down even further, which isn't anything new, but there's 48 instead. So you've got kind of like three main degrees to each of the sun signs. So say you're born a Leo, but somebody else two weeks later is also a Leo and you're kind of different. Right. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of components, but. It has to do with your cheese. It has to do with your cheese. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, it, it's a lot of different nuances. But yeah, it also now has to do with your cheese. And I just had a lot of fun putting it together and deciding which cheeses should go with which signs and talking about the cheeses and how they get used in their own cultures, how they're produced in their where they come from. And then I also give like do's and don'ts based on the week assigned to the cheeses. So based on your, your um, sun sign and affirmations I created, and then kind of a magical use. So let's say you want young man Chago to give you hope because hope is the theme for that week. Well, this is your go-to. Huh. That's really interesting. Wow. Yeah, thank you. And I do talk a little bit about cheese divination, which we touched on. I think, like, looking at the cheese and seeing if it has any messages, (laughs) you can totally do that, too. Yeah. Especially if you think about blue cheese. I was just going to say, I was just thinking blue cheese. Or if you did like a cheese that had a fruit mixed into it, like a softer cheese where they like to do that, like goat cheese and stuff. Yeah, or like a brie or something. Yeah. Yeah. I was just just looking up stuff because you kept saying cheese and it made me think of like the Chinese word chi. (laughs) (laughs) So now I'm like, you're cheese and cheese. (laughs) Yes. You got to align. (laughs) Right. The C H I S and the C H E E S E. Cheese or cheese? I just we must, we must align our cheese. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my God! Can your next book be called "Align Your Cheese"? <laughs> That's adorable. Or right, like, or like, make that a chapter. A workshop? Or something. Yeah, a workshop called "Align Your Cheese." Yes, align your cheese. <laughs> I love it. But I'm, like that's just what my brain started thinking I'm about. I'm such a fan of that. I'm not even gonna lie. <laughs> so oh, that's really interesting. That that wasn't what I was imagining when I first heard you say cheese astrology. But that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. It is something that I need to break apart and explain to people. Kind of like a feta or something. <laughs> <laughs> that was a cheesy joke. It sure was. It was pretty great. <laughs> And I am gonna do ah, great, great. I just yeah. got great. That was that was a, that one was pretty Gouda too. <laughs> uh, oh goodness, uh, that happens all the time. <laughs> I like how we 
started with puns and we got back to puns. Yeah. That's very it's full important. Circle. <laughs> full circle. And we've come we've come full wheel of cheese. The full wheel of cheese. The full yes. wheel. Yes. That's what we've done. And there is gonna Excellent. be an Oracle deck with the cheese book, which is a little bit different. Then, yeah, what's an oracle deck? Yeah, so it does not have to adhere to those 78 cards. It doesn't have kind of the same approach or expectations that a tarot deck does. It's just kind of each card on its own has its own wisdom. So you can use it to just draw one card and you're fine, or you can draw multiple and you know try to do a, a reading that's similar to tarot. But you're not going to find necessarily the knight of swords or a two of swords necessarily. Gotcha. Yep. Hmm. So what are some of the examples of the cards you would find in there? In my particular deck, there's going to be Cambazola, and it's a blue cheese. It's a Gorgonzola and Camembert mix, and it's dedicated to a week that has, that's a, I know it's in Cancer, and so it's a week that has to do with um, softness and nurturing. So that's going to be like, if you draw that, then you're going to have this affirmation that you should maybe be more nurturing and, and caring of your emotions. Huh. And that you should eat more cheese. Yes. yes. <laughs> that's, no, that's really cool. I am loving that. I'm not even going to lie. Yeah. And I've got I, a couple of friends that I would really, also love Oh, yeah. That. We're going to, yeah. well, we'll share this stuff on our page. So if you guys are interested in this as well, you can find it on our Facebook page. I'll put a link up on Twitter and stuff too. So. I appreciate, this, yeah, I appreciate that. Well, we appreciate you. So any way we can give back yeah. as well. Now you have another project going on right now. Too, <laughs> yes, right? I have a bazillion things going on. So, <laughs> you have several other kinda, projects. Kind of like us. Yeah. Well, I have a motivational instigator, as she calls herself. Motivational uh, instigator. I like that. <laughs> yes, yes. That's, Pat, that's, that's her trademark. Her, her work name is Renmelian, and I can give you that info too. But yeah, so she did Creative Divination, Read Tea Leaves, and Develop Your Personal Code, the book. But we want to come out with a second edition, improve it a little, make sure it has, you know, really good ways to access it, and a very clean intro that explains exactly how to read tea leaves without a whole lot of verbosity on my end. <laughs> so, you know, people just really need bullet points and they can get right into yeah. it and have all their questions answered. That's going to be happening, and in like recognition of it and in ways to help fund that, I've got a Kickstarter going, which gives folks the opportunity to get a tea leaf reading kit. So it includes the second edition of the book, a tea leaf reading journal, which is going to be the diagrams, pure diagrams um, from the book, which looks like oh, a neat. teacup. Yeah, and a little more space, I think, for you to capture your own notes on what it is that you saw in your cup yeah gosh all sorts of goodies of course stickers yay stickers say create your shade yeah which is my little little slogan i started to say slogan and ended saying motto yeah so it's your little slogan it is it is now definitely yeah and this is a really cool to bring to life muslin bags that get soaked in the tea from a tea leaf reading done for you and then it'll be stamped with the Create Your Fate as well. Oh, neat. Yeah, so there's a lot of different levels, of course, um, where you can still get the second edition without having to get all the frills. But yeah, I'm really excited that that's happening right now. Yeah, and I like I said before, we've already shared her Kickstarter on our Facebook page, but we will reshare it to bring it to the top after this airs. So mm-hmm. you guys can find that if you are interested in supporting her and getting your kits. 
because they are pretty cool. She's she's uh, we're we're skyping video with her to do this episode, and she keeps holding things up to <laughs> the camera, so I get to see everything, and I'm just like hee. <laughs> <laughs> Some really neat stuff. Thank you. So we're gonna do a Potter pondering for this episode. And we're going to go back to that question we were asking about Trelawney and her divination abilities. So we want to know if you think she has any divination abilities aside from her prophecies that she isn't even aware she predicted. Mm -hmm. And we will post this up on Facebook so that you guys can find the link and share your thoughts on it. We're going to now go into our trivia question, which we're going to let Tabitha read. Yes. Divination related trivia question. Which hand are you supposed to swirl the cup with the tea leaves in it before a reading? If you know the answer, you can head over to our Facebook page at JKR Podcast and find the post. Comment under the post with the answer and the code words inner eye. It's one word as a hashtag. No, it's not. It's hashtag inner eye. Two words. Code word hashtag inner eye. Hashtag inner hashtag eye. Or just hashtag inner eye. <laughs> two separate words. Uh, Not as a hashtag. You use it all. Cover all the bases. I don't, <laughs> I don't like hashtags. Counts. Anyway, if you do this, if you do this, the prize for the first one who responds with the correct answer and the code word double hashtag. And the hashtag code words. word. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag code word. <laughs> hashtag one word. I've said it before. I will say it again. Hashtag bite me. <laughs> oh, wait. In this case, sorry. Hashtag bite. Hashtag me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what do they get? If you do this, you will get a bitch is a witch, motherfucker's a wizard, just keep rolling, or one of our pride stickers. Which is our logo, but with a rainbow tail. Because that's just fun. It is really fun. I like it. That's super fun. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us. If you're Apple, you can do it through the Apple Podcast or iTunes app. If you don't have Apple, then as a recommendation on our Facebook page. If you email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. And don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at justkeeprolling. We are going to continue creating more Potterheads of History episodes, and you can become a patron to gain access to those future episodes, along with other perks. If you would like to support us as a patron for those perks, you can go to patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. And as always, as I always say, any support you can give is always much appreciated. We really want to thank Tabitha both for being one of our patrons and for putting the time aside to record with us today. And dealing with me. And dealing with both of us. (laughs) (laughs) It was fun. Thank you. Join us for the next episode, which is coming out this Friday, when we will talk about Chapter 14, Norbert the Norwegian Ridgeback, and the corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time. Just keep rolling. Thank you.